get stuff done. You know, it doesn't need to be perfect. Get it done, get it executed, make corrections, have an effect. Okay. <laughs> be the instrument of change to accomplish U.S. national objectives. That is your, that is your purpose in life. And I, if you look back on your life and said, I had a lot of, had a lot of rotations, had a lot of assignments, you know, and you, but you can't put your finger on, you know, what you really did. You're, you're, you have wasted your life. You are listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership and peak performance through interviews with some of the greatest team captains and thought leaders in the sports world. Now, here is your host, performance coach, speaker, and author, Ben Smith. Welcome back to another episode of the Captain's Coach Podcast. I am the founder, Ben Smith, and we have another awesome episode in store for you today. Today we have brought in one of the foremost experts in the information environment, Major Sean Chenoweth, as we continue our military series and focus on behavioral change from thought leaders in the space. Major Chenoweth has almost 20 years of experience leading large initiatives related to information operations and behavioral change for the U.S. government and military. He has directly supported efforts in every combatant command AOR, Joint Task Forces, and the Department of State. He is highly educated in deception and unconventional warfare. If you are one of our soldiers who listens in, uh, it's going to be obvious to see the value that this will bring to you. But for the sports community that we have, I think that there are going to be two primary takeaways and two ways in which you should uh, view this episode. For athletes, I think that this interview gives you a really good taste of the reality of the war raging around you. There's a war for your attention for your engagement, and even your core beliefs. Information is paramount in the behavioral change and can have an impact on the way that you perform and the kind of mindset that you bring to your everyday life. And for coaches, the takeaway is very similar. As you should always be on the lookout for competitive advantages, this will hopefully act as a catalyst to help you think differently about your approaches to leading your team and developing the kind of culture that you'd be proud of. It's a great conversation full of a lot of wisdom. And so without further ado, here's Major Sean Chenoweth. Major Sean Chenoweth, welcome to the Captain's Coach Podcast. We're really excited to have you on today uh, to discuss the power of information. Yeah, so um, I have heard word that you have been named PSYOP God by many. Uh, So (laughs) you are uh, Get into sure. what all that entails and to dive into all the knowledge base that you have. Um, so I'd love to, if we could, just kind of get a firm foundation uh, that can kind of, uh, that we can use to set up the rest of our time together. If you could find for, for us information itself and then what composes this aspect of the information environment, that would be great. Sure. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's a great that's always a great question, right? To kind of lead off with is what is information? Because it is, it is a sort of a weirdly contentious issue. Um, because when you think of the nature of, of information, you really, you really kind of start parsing it out on, well, what does that actually mean to each individual? Um, and, and, and the argument itself lends credence to the challenge that, you know, you start looking at when you're, when you're dealing with information. And that's really like, kind of, well, what is the truth? What is meaning? What do you associate with it? 
I think kind of the, the, the best way to, to cut it up and look at it is really to break, break it into four parts. And, and that is to say, instead of just saying information, which I think we tend to, we dump a lot of things into that singular bucket and actually to break it out into kind of four categories is, um, in my, in my, my humble opinion, right, the, the best way to look at it. And what you, what you really want to start with at the base level is just data. Um, and data is just try, like a lot of times just trons, ones and zeros. It's things that's been collected by systems, by reports, things along those lines. It doesn't have any sort of um, of uh, meaning behind it, right? So when you when you, so at your base level, that's that's just your your basic level, right? Data. Um, once a person um, or even sometimes a system or a tool or whatnot starts looking at the data. Um, enriching the data pulling you know meaning out of it you get to a point where you may have where you have information um at a, at a conceptual level right? information being something that an individual can read that there is some level of meaning associated with the data the disparate data bits have been bought, brought together um, and a person can kind of read read those reports pull the information out of those reports and, and the whole point of you know exposing yourself to that those information to that coalesced data sets is that if you've taken enough information you will hopefully um, raise yourself to the next level, which is knowledge, right? Suddenly you become knowledgeable of something in, in an information space. Um, you have some sort of experience. You can start pulling meeting, predictive, uh, you know, predict things, how to address things, how to, how to deal with challenge, right? You have, a, you have a set of knowledge in a particular area based on the information that you've been reading that is put together from the data points. And if you have enough knowledge and you are a practitioner over a protracted period of time and you gain experience, what you ultimately get to is sort of the top tier, which is, which is, which is understanding, right? That innate understanding of what you're doing, you know, that where you can take on a challenge somewhat blindly um, and approach it. And a lot of it, a lot of it goes back to, you know, why do we have doctrine? I like, well, you know, doc, this is how we do things with doctrine. Well, in reality, doctrine is there. So if you enter a new theater and you have no idea what you're doing, you have a baseline to say, here's how we're going to at least bite into this apple and approach the challenge set, right? Um, but for everyone who's ever been on you know, a deployment or multiple deployments. They know a lot of times, like you're in a theater, things are already established. It's adapted to the challenges and the nuances of any theater, and so you're not really using doctrine per se. What you're using is is how things have advanced. But you know, that, that's kind of the the, the microcosm, the, the challenge set at a, at a very high level is, is when you say what is information. It's, it really goes to, you know, it's it's all of those encompassing things, and um, you know how how you inject into that, how you play with that uh, is really important. Right. And so just to make sure I heard, right, I, I caught three. I might have missed the fourth one. It was data, knowledge, understanding. And did I miss one at the beginning there? Uh, it's, it's actually data, then information, then knowledge. And then at the top tier is, is understanding. Yeah. Got it. Okay, excellent. So that's yeah. a great breakdown of what kind of information is. What about the information environment and what, what does that entail and how is that defined? So, well, the information environment is, I think, kind of a, a really, again, a really interesting concept that has been pulled out and developed and massaged, um, you know, for, for decades at this point, you know, in, in one capacity or another. And it was really kind of the, the, the thought process, um, both intellectually, academically, um, uh, you know, operationally, <laughs> on how you tackle a battle space that is information. Um, in, in DOD terms, you might think in, uh, of it as a battle space and say like Department of State or governance effort, it may just be part of your operational environment, right? Um, but uh, basically the, the, the concept of the information environment is where all of the, all of the bits of what we kind of, we talked about when we talked about what is, what is information in a whole set where you have, you know, you have the data, 
and the and the, the the information from that data and people's perceptions are flying about to and fro. Um, that's individuals communicating with each other, transmitting things. Um, that's uh, information sources, platforms, mobile computing, anywhere where you're exposed to some level of you know. And I'll just use the term information um, for, for for you know. Anytime you're exposed to that, how it moves, how it's shared. Um, any sort of insert of environment. That's really what you're talking about when you're when you're talking about your information environment, and that's it. That's at a variety of levels, right? Because again, when we start looking at the the data level, you're actually even into the cyber level, right? So it's like cybers moving through the internet through trons. You have the electromagnetic, and all of that can be kind of parsed into the electromagnetic spectrum aspect of it through you know radio waves, uh, data signals that are transferred electromagnetic. You know, all all of those bits. Um, uh, play into that environment, and I think one of the things that's that's really interesting, um, and and it's one of the challenges, right, in in this kind of uh, um, profession, is that when it comes to pure capability, um, it's very the DoD particularly, like in, in the U.S. government, like we'd like to think in terms of control. Commanders like to think in terms of control, right? It's perfectly understandable, and from an instrument of national um, power and capability, you know, the United States really is second to none. I mean, we can, we can kind of debate about near peer and, and what others can do, but I mean, the United States is still really the only country that can project military power, you know, outside of a country it's next to, right? <laughs> we can go overseas anywhere. You know, we have, we have a tremendous amount of capability. And so when you, when you look at traditional battle spaces, um, you know, a, a fully equipped armored division on an intersection somewhere on the planet, there's nothing that's going to move that, ar that, that armored division. It's going to stay there until, you know, U.S. policymakers and commanders decide to move it, right? You want to control a lock in the ocean, a fully equipped carrier group is going to go out there, and there's really nothing on this planet that's going to move that, right? You want to own the you want to, um, um, aerospace, uh, uh, you know, a fully equipped, you know, Air Force uh, fighter squadron, F-22, all that stuff, right? They're going to own that. When it comes to the information environment, um, there is no such thing as control. And it's one of the chief challenges you have when dealing with policymakers and commanders is, is, is you know, they want to they see, like, well, I, I want to control the space. You know, we're getting killed out there, stuff like that, right? Um, and and, and there, there really isn't control. You're not controlling the information space because it's how people communicate, how they connect, how they interact with each other. Um, it's a it's sort of a binary choice at its highest level, which is you are either going to choose to participate or you are going to choose to not participate. If you're going to participate, you can at least affect your information environment if you do it correctly um, at a at a level that matters. Um, you know, and all the processes they're in. If you choose not to participate, right, because either you don't have the policies, it's paralysis by analysis, or any number of other factors, you cannot be surprised. When it doesn't go your way, when people say nonsense, uh, you know, the, the, when you have rampant disinformation or misinformation or missing information running through your AO, and and then um, and then just and, you know, the misperceptions thereof. I think a part of the challenge you're dealing with when, when you're dealing with a, a policymaker or commander about that is um, uh, it, it reporting is always a great one, right? You can uh, a lot of, and a lot of people have been in, in the PSYOP and IO community can you know, have myriad of stories around this, right? Where uh, you know, like an Al Shabaab guy does a tweet. And that tweet is seen by 150 people, right? And you're going, yeah, but 50 of them are probably from the um, intelligence community, uh, you know, U.S. or foreign, right? Another <laughs> 50 of those people are the press. Um, the rest of them are like family, friends, and some other people. But but, but a commander or policymaker is going to get a report from one agency that says, 
you know, Al-Shabaab did this and another command, he's going to get another report from another agency or his intel section says this or another, another division in his formation, like from the J39 or the J2 or the, you know, whoever. And so suddenly he's got all these different reports from all these different places and he goes, Hey, we're losing in the, the information fight. You know, Al-Shabaab made a tweet and, 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 oh my God, I got 15 reports here talking about it, right? <laughs> yeah. And you have to kind of, you kind of have to uh, brace them and, and deal with your, with, with your, 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 you know, your boss, your policymaker to say like, look, you're not losing in the information environment, okay? Because 150 people saw it, right? <laughs> that's not that's not losing, okay? So so you know it's more more effective. What do you, what do we want to accomplish? Um, uh, well, how do we want to use the power of information to support your objectives? Because again, a lot of times policymakers and, and military leaders, their their intent and their lines of effort may not necessarily have an an obvious component. To, uh, of information, but you know, information capabilities and, and supporting the, the influence aspects therein, um, that is absolutely, some, you know, you can put that against any objective any policymaker or, or military commander has. And so it's kind of the job of an, of an IO uh, PSYOP uh, planner really is to kind of parse like, you know, the, the you know, my leader wants to accomplish this. What am I going to do to help give them an operational advantage um, in this particular line of effort, that line of effort, in this line of effort, and, and, and how are my efforts, you know, how are, how, how, how are things I'm doing, um, you know, nesting in and supporting the, achieving the end state. So. Right. So something that caught my ear there was this aspect of binary choice. Uh, you mentioned that you have two options. You can either participate or not participate. Um, and then if you participate, right. you know, there's, you can affect it, but you can't control. Um, but what's interesting is you mentioned this aspect, which we know well uh, in the sports world too, is this paralysis by analysis aspect. Oh, yes. So could you talk a little bit more about um, if you've had any experiences as to why somebody would, first off, not decide to participate? Uh, if, and if it's due to the fact that they just have too much information that they're trying to analyze, is that why they would not be able to participate? Or just, uh, you know, what, what, what would cause them for that secondary uh, choice there to not participate due to paralysis? The, um, I, th I think the, the real driver... Um, is actually, I mean, um, it's a, it's a, it's a very, it's a very nuanced uh, approach to what causes, um, folks not to participate. Right. And, and again, when, when you say participate again, it's, you're talking about participate at a level that matters. Um, and that's, that's kind of the chief problem. Um, so like to, to take the first bite of that, that particular apple, right. Um, on its face, uh, the first challenge to is exactly the, the, the paralysis by analysis problem, which is, you know, um, when you're planning your influence efforts, if you're planning on engaging populations, if you're planning on doing the behavior change and doing all of those, those things that matter, a lot of times what you'll find is that um, a lot of institutions um, want to do a lot of research. And again, there is nothing wrong with doing the research. You should do the research. The problem is when the activity becomes, well, the research is the end state basically, right? When the, when the activity that you're looking at and focused on is the research, you are missing the point entirely, right? The research needs to be uh, feeding the plan that is, that is intended to be executed to accomplish an objective. The research in itself should not be viewed as the objective. And all too often we get our, 
well, we need more data sets. We need, you know, I need, I need more public opinion research. I need more analytics. I need a better tool set. I need more data. I need a more rich data lake and to parse through that data better. I need machine learning. I need I'm, I'm, one of my pet pieces, artificial intelligence. I hear it all the time. It's used inappropriately. Um, but it's basically, I need artificial intelligence. Like, you want to throw all of these things in there. The sort of an unrealistic expectation that at any given point, when you're talking about a, a, uh, you know, like a Heisenberg's uncertainty principle of, of humanity, right? Like if you, as soon as I take a snapshot of any, any environment, it's immediately different because you're talking about a variety of human beings that are living their lives, you know, and they have different levels of capability, different levels of intelligence, different level of, of, of participation, right? <laughs> so it's like, so what you really, really want to get to is a point where it's like, when, when are we confident enough to move to the next step in our planning process and more importantly, when are we moving that step? Because ultimately, we want to get to a point where we're executing. So your first, I mean, your first, your first challenge is exactly that. Like, you know, why are we, what kind of insight yeah. are we looking at getting? And, and, and when can we move on to the next part, right? <laughs> so that's, that's your first challenge. Um, the next challenge is, is and in fact, this, the next one is my biggest irritation. Um, and that is that we, you know, to, to, to the point I made earlier about, you know, participating or not participating is a binary choice. I think that um, we have not, um, as, a, as a, a whole of government approach, um, gotten to the point, um, either from, you know, command and control, resourcing, et cetera, where we have gotten, where we've sort of achieved an understanding that I think we really need to, um, push in in the realm of policymakers, um, and and frankly the resourcing that we need to we need to basically build, um, a, 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 you, you know, um, metaphorically like a carrier group afloat in the information environment that is consistently engaged, right? Uh, because when it comes to operating in the information space, it's not kinetic war, right? We're not shooting tea lambs. What we're doing is we're messaging, right? We're building platforms, we're engaging populations, we're breaking through um, barriers to change. Um, and in order to do that, you need to be persistently engaged, as I mentioned earlier, right? And all too often, what happens is um, our efforts are handled, and even on on the, you know, I, and I do this work all over the globe, you know, 24/7, 365 for years, right? So, you know, a lot of these projects I'm doing, but they're handled on a project basis, and it's not that that is wrong. Um, the problem is that it's not holistic, right? What we really need to do is get to a point where we are we have uh, platforms. Um, that are, you know, programs of record that have the funding they need um, or are near the funding they need, right? And, when, and the interesting part is when you're talking about media production um, and these engagements compared to other elements of national power, like a carrier group or actual tanks, it's, it's very, it's a very cheap buy-in, um, very cost-effective. Um, but because it doesn't, you know, doesn't necessarily end up in a manufacturing job or something like that, there's a lot of, you know, trepidation. There's a lot of misunderstanding around those platforms, you know, how social media works, how content is created, how we can disseminate, um, you know, and, and how you maintain attribution, control. Um, no one wants to be told that they're manipulating individuals, you know, things like that. Oh, is it propaganda? You're just running a bot farm. All of these kind of these horrible misperceptions that exist in the minds of policymakers, staff planners inside the DOD. Um, and we haven't gotten to a point where we're just saying, you know, you know we, here's a here's a large budget to build a variety of fully engaged platforms, developing networks of influence, influential individuals um, that we can utilize and steer uh, to achieve various end states. And they are protractedly engaged um, every day so that they are a trusted voice so that when we need to shift uh, messaging or do crisis response, 
we're not going into every environment blind and we're not dealing with every target audience from, from the ground up and we're not having to constantly build brands and platforms that are engaging. Um, you know, again, I do this all the time. So uh, I've got success. And, I, and I, when I'm saying engaging, I'm not talking about, you know, thousands or even tens of thousands. I'm talking about millions of people that we need to be engaging with all over the globe, um, you know, through, and again, through the, the, the advent of mobile technology, the rise of all the social media platforms um, and other capabilities, you know, YouTube, Instagram, Line, WhatsApp, um, all of those things, right? We can get to these target audiences reliably. And we can shift, but we need to have the, you know, the, the basically the uh, the ingrained uh, institutions, right, that are resourced and have the initial research and initial inroads into, um, you know, or, or our operational networks of influencers who are already doing messaging. And again, I think that that can be done for for very, uh, you know, very effective price, have an enormous amount of impact. And when we have to deal with with challenges like suddenly, hey, we've got an issue with the convergence of of um, you know global power competition, you know, see China, Russia, Iran, you know, when they start to converge their disinformation around COVID, right? You're starting at square one <laughs> because some of those areas, you know, you're not really engaged at that level, um, you know, or or protractedly enough throughout throughout a large enough region to to really get after you know one of those bits. So you're starting from ground one, which means it's going to take you weeks or months to figure out what to do. Then you've got to build your build you know your 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 content or your your capability or your influencer network. It's another month, right? And then you might you might get operational in a couple months, and that's lightning fast in terms of execution from you know a, a government side a lot of times. If it's not very engaged, right? Um, the other challenge with that is that uh, you know if you're using some of the existing things like well we're just on social media we just do you know this bit of Facebook or whatever, um, and we're running um, you know personas or or anything like that. You know the issue there is. Again, you're talking thousands, maybe, maybe tens of thousands if you're really lucky. That's not enough. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> that's the thing that drives me crazy sometimes. And when people say, like, oh, look how successful it was. You know, this tweet got six sixty thousand individuals like that. I'm like, yeah, that's, but that's all it got. This region has eight million people in it, right? <laughs> it's like, so, you know, maybe you had an impact. Um, uh, maybe you had an impact, but you know. It, the time it's going to take you to assess the impact of that and trace it back to your specific efforts. You know, you might as well just say you didn't do it. Right. <laughs> right. Um, well, I, there's so much to break down there. I don't even know where to start with that, but I do want to go back to this analysis piece quickly because you brought up a good, sure. I want to hear um, if you have any advice on, cause we are living in a world in uncertainty. Every leader is trying to make decisions and they don't know exactly what the outcome is going to be. So, um, and information is what we use to drive those decisions. So when we say one of the issues being that you, you need to know and be confident when you have enough information to make the call, uh, this might be a poor question because it certainly is determined by the situation, but do you have any advice or principles or lines of thought around how you know when enough is enough? Uh, you, and you're saying in terms of when do you execute? Yeah, just went to to move to execution, to move to a decision point. Is there any advice you have to to know when enough information is enough to make the call? Or, um, uh, I don't, I'm also you know err, err on the side of aggression on, on aggressive action, right? Yeah. Um, you know you 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 know what you're you're gonna know going in, right? Because you have been you've been sent there, or you have an idea of what you're you know, generally for the most part what your um, national objective may be, right? St we want to increase 
peaceful participation in the peaceful political process. We want to remove people joining extremist groups. We want to deal with a nation state's disinformation efforts that are you know, branding the U.S. As a, as a damaging strategic partner to a critical transatlantic partner, something along those lines, right? You have a pretty good idea of what you're trying to accomplish no matter where you go, right? Because it's not, it's generally for the most part, not a particular surprise. Now you may have things like COVID just outbroken and we have to deal with that. But, but the, again, what your adversary is going to do is going to exploit that, not necessarily because they, uh, they want to, um, damage the United States because they're trying to keep, you know, the, those areas, those kind of things from damaging their own economies and their own interests. But, um, you know, to, to, to further drive in that execute, sit, you know, you, you know, kind of what you're trying to accomplish to sit down, grab a target audience, your initial one, even if it's just, you know, my gut tells me it's this, right? <laughs> you know, if you can, if you have the time and altitude to do in-depth analysis, do that, but do it in parallel, putting together how you're going to execute because of, you know, the, the great thing about information is you can, you can, can, you can engage, you can be wrong, fail quickly, recover, and can, and again, continue to engage. Um, if you have the time to build plot, and this goes back to the other parts, like, you know, the reality is if we have, if we, if we're doing this correctly, we would build these institutions that are managing these, you know, platforms that are bringing people in, engaging with large scale target audiences, leveraging uh, key influencers, um, you know, because that's again, people who are already in these environments, who have viewpoints that are complementary to U.S. objectives, you know, magnifying those voices. If you're doing it, if we're doing it at a, at a, at a proper level, what we really should be doing is is building those platforms out, running them 24-7, always on, increasing their instinct, you know, buying satellite television, doing the media buys and promoting it, building uh, increased and enhanced networks, giving people in the environment voices and magnifying them. And then when we need to point those audiences into directions, you already have the the, 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 you know, the capabilities built in. So you already know how your target audience behaves. You know, for your behavior change objective or your, you know, whatever objective your, 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 your leader or director tells you to do, you, you know how to approach that already. Um, but again, if we're not, if we're not protractedly and inconsistently engaged, it's always, it's always square one, right? You're always going into a new environment that you may not have been in for years, if ever. You're always having to go through the entire, uh, if you're doing it correctly, right? you're going to have to do all the research bits to pull the inside out to figure out how you're going to message this particular target audience effectively or, or do the behavior change model that you're using on that particular target audience. And it, and it just becomes a churn. So, you know, my, my advice is get to execution as fast as possible if you're not already executing and participate. And then, and then adapt accordingly. But if you're going to, if you, if you're going in and you're not doing anything right off the bat, um, it's, it's very easy uh, and almost poisonous to start really taking, taking a lot, you know, spending your time staring at your navel, you know, <laughs> because you're, you're just, it's never going to be enough, right? You're never going to be a point where you're absolutely, like, absolutely 100% confident that every bit of content you're going to make is going to be resonant, you know, that every person you're going to, you're going to message is the correct person, um, and you're never going to be sure that you've absolutely mitigated all risk of, of, you know, uh, someone taking it the wrong way, being insulted, you know, potentially hitting an American who happens to be, you know, uh, Libyan or whatever, right? <laughs> you know, like you, get to, you, you need to be comfortable with, these are the resources I have. I need to operationalize these resources as soon as possible and adapt accordingly. Yeah. So I love that answer. I thoroughly agree. Um, that's great. So the next, some of the next questions I had, you've already really touched on where, you know, where are we falling short? What resources are we missing? So I'd love to know, like, these all sound like great ideas. The things that you're mentioning here, that makes a lot of sense to me, at least what's the barriers from us uh, moving more towards that line of thinking or action. 
Uh, I think again, one of the one of the things we had talked about going into your, you know, what are the top three um, challenges, right? That uh, the people in this in the information environment, uh, behavior change, influence business uh, are dealing with, right? And um, I, I would kind of break those down into the, again the insight. Um, one being the insight, two being reaching the target audience, and three being the policy. Um, now, when I'm saying insight, it's exactly as, as we talked about. You know, you, you do need to have a level of understanding of your target audience, right? Uh, you need to know the marketing factors, what channels they're on, um, how uh, they can be influenced and be reached. How do you, you know, get them to pay attention? Um, you know, what what target audience pays attention to what? Now, you need to have those insights so that you're building correct content platforms and engagement techniques, right, um, that work for that specific target audience to to create a measurable um, behavior change. And then you also need the collection aspects behind that as far as, you know, the public opinion surveys, the analysis tools, things like that to monitor uh, the behavior change, um, and both from in terms of like MOP, right? Like, are the platforms I'm using getting the impressions, the reach, the engagements that I need to be having, um, you know, or the media share, basically, right? Am I hitting that point? Am I getting my MOP? And then the, or the, the MOP and then the MOE, right? Is the behavior change working? And do they think that, you know, the, the partner, the government that I'm, I'm bolstering, do they think they're better at governing? Do they believe that the U.S. is a better strategic partner than they did last year? You know, that sort of stuff. Like, are we growing in the right direction? So the first part is that dead, dead insight. Um, and one of the things I always like to say on that too is, you know, in our community, in the SIAP community, I've always, dis I've always kind of disliked the language training uh, <laughs> because I've always found it to be horribly inadequate and, in, and, in, uh, in a sense that, you know, if, if I need to message, uh, you know, in, in some street corner in, in, um, um, you know, Brussels or, or Libya or, you know, a street in China or whatever, right? <laughs> I need to find somebody who grew up in that area. Um, I'm not going to send somebody to a language school and expect them to be a Russia or a Chinese or a you know, Moroccan expert, right? <laughs> you need to go out and you need to you need to hire a Moroccan expert who can advise you on the cultural aspects, and you need to have um, the media experts at your call, right? Um, the job of the, the job of the DoD really needs to kind of be, you know, I, I have the mission, I'm going to generate the plan, uh, I'm going to bring in the capabilities, you know, from, a, from like a, a DoD perspective. I was thinking it was like, you know, like the use the use the commercial market to help build the fighter craft with the the weapon systems that are appropriate for the target and the mission you have, but you're still the guy who has to get in the cockpit and fly it. If you're spending your time worrying about how to build a better bomb or make it, you know, it's like metaphorically, right? You're spending a lot of time in the creative and you're spending a lot of time in some of these analytics. Like you're probably not, you are not, um, you're not lending your capability correctly to the mission. Um, so that, that you know, that's, that's, that's kind of the, the key part. But that insight and that execution is one of the challenges. The next one is reaching the target audience. Um, again, you know, we need those. We need to have uh, cultural relevance. We need to have access to the commercial market to generate the content that needs to be generated. We need to be managing that appropriately. Um, you know, and one of the things I always like to say with the inside community is like, I don't need you to have language and cultural training as much as I need you to have project management experience, right? <laughs> you know, I need to send you to every planning course I can get my hands on from, you know, Mildex, Joint Planner, um, anything that matters, get you to a planning, a planning capability where you can parse out and know how to attack your plan. And then I need you to put together the execution and manage it, manage the costs, manage the funding, manage the, the performance of it, make adjustments as needed, you know, <laughs> make sure you have all the right talent together. You know, that's what I need more than I need someone who's super good at speaking Hangul. You know, <laughs> it's just not, not, it's not, it's not that important. Uh, and it's never going to be good enough for our needs. You know, you have to, you have to hire from, from, uh, and bring in the, the, the people who know it best. 
Um, and those, those skill sets are not generally resonant inside um, government at a, at a quantity that's useful, right? Like they're not, the government is not pushing Google. They're not selling Tide in these markets. But those are the same kind of people that I need access to in order to be influential, right? To generate uh, content. So reaching the target audience, accessing these, the platforms that they're on, um, knowing how to maneuver through those platforms, um, and then and, and, and developing uh, the community management uh, individuals, the people who can help do the back end on the engagement, right? To make sure that the, the target audience is engaging with the correct platform, but also, um, you know, enhancing themselves, growing. Um, that's all really important. You gotta be able to reach the target audience. And finally, um, the third point is just the policy. A lot of energy goes into it has forever uh, going into getting um, policymakers, um, lawmakers, uh, you know, commanders comfortable with allowing us access to to do things we need to do on the various platforms, right? And that's things like, I mean, in in 2011, it was still very difficult to use Facebook. Um, now, not so much, right? <laughs> it was, it's you know, and that's that's one of the one of the you know, that, those are the kind of changes. But we still haven't got over. Um, Correct resourcing, in my opinion. Um, what we we don't spend nearly enough in a cogent fashion on doing these efforts. Um, the, the 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 money kind of gets disper dispersed out to various organizations. Um, it is generally for the most not uh, not a complete coordinated effort. Um, there's a lot of debate currently on who should take that. You know, we you know, we don't have a Department of Information anymore. There are some discussions that you know this needs to be handled by State Department, but that has its own challenges to some extent uh, inside State. The DoD. Uh, its money is very safe compared to State Department, but DOD doesn't really have the authorities, you know, that, that's, you know, unless in times of war, right, we have to have uh, State Department concurrence from the embassies. So you can see, like, you know, there's a lot of policy challenges um, when you get after this. And, and you know, the, the, on the back end, our adversaries do not have those challenges, right? <laughs> They're nested from the top level. Um, they generate the narratives. Their components help with the stories that prop up said narratives, and it goes out to the whole of government, both in the civilian side, their military side, their, um, you know, spookier side, <laughs> you know, and everyone's working in, in unison, and, uh, and that makes it very, uh, you know, makes it, it makes it a challenge for us. Right, 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 right. Well, um, I know, yeah. you, you know, you just mentioned the word adversaries, you know, so I, you know, you, I'm sure you won't disagree with me, but um, in fact, this is, this is a fact that we are in a, in a war uh, of information with other, you know, with our adversaries, right? And so you are in the middle of this protecting our interests. Um, and I, what I'd love to know, um, and maybe not just um, from a military perspective, but just in the world in general, when it comes to information operations, information, what are some of the biggest problems that are, um, are right in front of us. And I'll give you an example. Like there seems to be an erosion of trust with, with the media in general. Um, so is that a, something that you see as a problem? Would you put that into the top three? Um, you know, how, how are we gaining the right information um, just about different things that are happening day-to-day uh, -day in the world? Um, anything that you can speak on to to the biggest things that you see as, as issues within the space. Right. Sure. Um, so yeah, that's a, I mean, that's, that's a, it's a, a persistent engagement, right? Um, I don't, I, and I, this is the thing, I don't think that this is new in any rate, in any regard, you know, being involved in an information fight. I mean, you can find examples of, you know, the fog of war from Clausewitz or, you know, the, the, uh, the knowing, um, and Sun Tzu. I mean, it's been a prevalent part of, of national power and, and warfare generally. I think what's interesting about today is again, because of the rise of social media, 
um, mobile computing, the amount of access you have to individuals, uh, because you can, you can, again, you can, you can find, if you want to message a guy in Syria whose favorite color is red and he's really into, um, you know, cr uh, hamburgers and Magnum PI, like you can find, you can find that guy, right? And you can, you can feasibly message him. Um, and that's an interesting, you know, that's an interesting development in how we do these things, which again has really opened up an entire uh, capability um, that we didn't used to have. But it was very, you know, it used to be just broad brush media, um, lots of radio, television hand uh, handbills, um, television when you when you could get it, right? Those sort of things. Like we can get very specific. But what that's also, you know, they also the development in the, in the current age is that people don't have to necessarily be exposed to information that they are not particularly interested in unless you are buying the media time, right? And that's in-app advertising on their Facebook pages or their YouTubes or whatever. Um, the reality is you can, you know, you're not turning on a radio anymore and listening to the radio wheel generally, you know, a lot of the times, right? So people, people will just, they'll, they'll tune their Pandoras or their tune or, you know, they have their, their music that they like or their, their, their talking head that they enjoy, their political pundit that they enjoy. And they, they may not ever be exposed to an idea that is different than what they're already thinking, right? So um, what's really interesting about today is that with access to so much information, you see individuals who have limited how they are being fed information that they, they have, you know, frankly, um, you know, again, they are being exposed to disinformation and misinformation and a lot of times missing information, right? Um, whereas like misinformation is, it's, it's, it's inaccuracies and error. Um, and then this information being, you know, inaccuracies or falsehoods that are deliberate. And then sometimes it's just missing information. You know, again, people move to that stage of like, I, I, I moved from, from my information source to a sense of, I know what's going on, but they didn't recognize that their information source was inherently flawed. <laughs> you know, you didn't have a complete picture. So it wasn't, it wasn't that it was wrong information or even deliberately misleading information. It was just, you didn't have a full picture, but you've, you've generated a conclusion and you have to deal, you have to deal with the target audience that, that you know, that may be exposed or in some engagement level of those those three tiers right an adversary who's deliberately de uh, pro projecting disinformation or um, a media outlet that is reporting inaccurately on things from from air because they're trying so hard to get into the news cycle that they are making mistakes um sometimes idiotic mistakes right um as far as distrust in the the media uh, generally for the most part it's, it's healthy you, you should <laughs> just as you should you should inherently have a level of um, trepidation with any information source that is feeding you. Um, it is just, it's a smart thing to do. If you believe anything on its face, uh, you, you know, you're, 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 you may not be getting the full picture because again, a lot of times inherently we, we start drifting into things we're most comfortable with, right? The, the stuff I like, the people I like, the pundits I like, who say the things I like, um, but, you know, you get in your, your, it's no, you know, normal human behavior. You get into your kind of comfortability box. And um, if you're not being exposed to external factors, uh, deliberately, you may, you may, you may never, um, you know, be, be exposed to those things. So. Yeah. And I, I was just watching or listening to somebody today on uh, some YouTube video actually, but he was referring to exactly what you're talking about. That it's almost this information bias. And he called them uh, when you surround yourself with only the information that you are, that you really believe in, you're not listening to any other world. He, he called that an echo chamber, which I thought was kind of an interesting sure. verbiage. I don't know if you, yeah. know, you have heard of that. I've never Wait. Yeah, Cog cognitive, yeah, cognitive dissonance or, um, you know, inherent bias. And it's really interesting, again, you know, um, I do this day in, day out. A lot of times I'll have people who brief me on capabilities or processes that they're developing um, from their, you know, commercial or NGO 
uh, um, uh, organization. And it's always interesting because a lot of times they, you know, they're, they're briefing me on these approaches, like, you know, here's what the Russians did in the 2016 election. And, you know, but then they've made certain like leaps and logics, uh, certain like cognitive bias are built in the system where they say, and this is how they were effective. You know, this is how they influenced the election. And, you know, they haven't actually taken a, a breath back to say like, again, did they engage at a level that mattered and did it actually affect, did it actually have an impact on an election or did it actually matter? Right. So, a lot of times we, we've created these boogeymen out of out of uh, adversary efforts. When you look at like, look, they're really good at at doing uh, information warfare to secure energy gains. That's where they're focusing on, right? Like in the case of the Russians and things like that, right? They're this is where they're very good. This is where they spend a lot of their 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 time and effort to secure these um, these interests. You know, dabbling in in in, in the elections. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just. It, it, it's just not true. <laughs> it just isn't true. You can't show anywhere where they, they you know, it, 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 did they affect it? Did they help create some campaign slogans that were picked up by certain candidates, um, you know, used in rallies and got, got some attention? Absolutely. Did those things cause uh, the kind of, you know, the damage you're associating with? Not at all. There's no, there's no, so you, again, you're now showing me a model that you, you know, that you know, that I know to be false, right? And, but your entire system is built on, um, you know, your own inherent biases that you've built in, um, which, you know, again, goes back to you've got to have uh, individuals who are who are capable of recognizing um, their own um, cognitive biases and, and are you know willing to be wrong and don't fall in love with plans. And you have enough diversity of thought that uh, you can do this appropriately. So, right. Um, all great stuff. So I, I have two more questions I'd love to ask. And I, I just looked at the time. Roll sure. Almost. <laughs> Time flies by when you're having fun. So um, I'd love to get your thoughts. Um, again, these are just things I've been kind of thinking about. Um, that, that when we talk about information, I, I go immediately to keywords such as perception and identity and beliefs and truth. Mm -hmm. And so I'd love to know uh, just if you could talk to anything in regards to you know what is truth, what is meaning, how do we, how does this all play? Uh, how does it all play together in this whole scope of information, um, especially this concept of truth? How do we know what's true? I think that's, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, well, I mean, you know, from a conceptual standpoint, the truth is absolutely, you know, it's critical and it's important. The challenge, uh, I think when you really, when you really look at what truth is, um, it is, it's not, uh, it's not really definable because people will view, you know, a human being has inherent biases. They have, perceptions they have beliefs and you know what one person can look at something and say this is true another person will look at it and say that is absolutely not true and and um you know it, it, it would you start end up you kind of get kind of you kind of start mucking about well, well who's right and who's wrong about this particular thing when you know to some extent we, we you, who cares right what we need to care about is what is the behavior um or national objective we're trying to accomplish like that's focus on that it doesn't matter if it's true or false. It doesn't matter if it's real or not real. Um, and a lot of times, you know, I, I always like to point out, like if you're, if you're, when you're doing, um, you know, this, these kind of activities, um, people will make things true, whether or not they are, if enough of them believe it, which is why I go back to, you need to engage at these levels of matters. And I have a, I have, I have piles of examples of where this is true. I had a, I had a commander on one of my deployments one time. I'm looking at what is being said in the media space with our, our FID partner, our foreign internal defense partner. Um, it was a soft, it was a, a special operations foreign internal defense partner 
Um, they were an absolute razor blade. They were a great FID partner, right? Uh, the, the current policy at the time was we couldn't conduct operations without a FID partner, right? No problem. You know, easy day. Um, the challenge was that this FID partner started getting labeled in the media space, in the, in the, in the, in the host nation media space as being, a, you know, the, the prime minister's death squad, right? And um, I wrote to my commander, I said, uh, you know, well, uh, to the, the three and the commander, basically, you know, and I briefed him as part of my, you know, we need to, we need to address this. We need to get after this, you know, we need in front of this. And, you know, and, and um, again, the challenge was, look, we got, we know it's not true. We got Intel sources, you know, we've got, we've got, uh, you know, vetted, vetted people who swear to this. And we know, we know the truth. And the point was, it doesn't matter what we know, the target audience, the population is going to make this true. Okay. And that's exactly what happened. You know, like the, 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 the outcry from the population, from all the, the, you know, mis or disinformation that they were being fed, created such a political outcry that the prime minister had no choice but to shut down their operations while an investigation took place, even though everyone knew it wasn't true. And suddenly, you know, a major U.S. task force was inoperational. Uh, you know, it, it couldn't, couldn't operate because your FID partner was grounded, right, due to policy. And so it's an example of like, you know, to, to worry a lot about what's true and not true really doesn't matter. What really matters is what is the behavior change you need the target audience to take? What is the U.S. national uh, interest that I want to take? And if the objective is to push back against disinformation and misinformation, you know, um, one of the biggest waste of time you can really do are a lot of these, like, you know, the fact-checking um, and things like that. I mean, the fact-checking is is debatable a lot of the times, like, or, or the fact-checkers. Um, it's you know, Here in the United States, it's replete. A lot of times the fact-checking is completely slanted one way or another. And so even if you say, well, this is false because of these things, right, someone else is going to look at that and say, well, you're using, you know, you, you don't have the complete data set or you have to, that's your political spin on it, et cetera, et cetera. So your best, your best examples we talked about earlier, just be hardened. The best thing we can do to, to harden a target audience in, in our own population is just make people aware, like, you are, in fact, being exposed to um, adversary or even political disinformation, misinformation, um, you, and, and accept the fact that you may be missing some information in your decision process, be open to new ideas, um, and just be aware of that. And a lot of times, that's the best thing you can do. Um, the, the, the COVID, you know, to be very relevant, the COVID outbreak that's going on right now, that's been interesting because we're, you know, we're seeing right now a convergence of adversary disinformation around that, in that, uh, uh, again, it's not again. As we kind of mentioned earlier, it's not that they woke up one morning and said, "You know, what I'm going to do that. I'm going to use COVID to go after the United States." What they've really done is just, I don't want my economies damaged. I don't want people not to do business in my country. I, I want my population and other populations to think that I'm being benevolent. I'm doing everything I can to stop this. And the United States is there, and they're loud, and they're the you know the biggest kid on the block. So. I'm going to start saying things about them. I'm going to put the blame on them as much as I can. And when all of these adversaries start looking, start playing off each other's messaging, not because they're necessarily coordinated, but because it was convenient, right? Suddenly it's a, you got, um, the, you know, the various global powers saying, well, it was a U.S. bioweapon or it came from U.S. service members or, you know, all these things. Again, we, it's not true, but they're all saying it and, and they're, they're messaging in that regard because it's convenient. And they're playing off each other, and it's a it's an activity that we we have to address uh, because it is affecting our um, strategic partnerships with places. It's affecting how populations view us, um, you know, and it's and it's and it's just more prevalent, especially in the the high level of emotional turmoil right now, right? So so someone puts a um, a spurious story about some you know U.S. person removing um, PPE off a plane because we're you know we're seizing back contracts and things like that. Again, not true. But people can't buy masks, and suddenly they go, "Oh, that's why I can't get a mask because the U.S. is, 
you know, using their economic might or their, you know, their reach and their power to, to basically screw me, you know, the, 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 you know, Joe nobody in the middle of Cambodia or whatever, right? Like, and then they, <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> so. Well, that's, that's really interesting. Um, I, I would love to go into this COVID and hear what your thoughts were on that. I don't know if we have the time here though. I wanted to ask you, um, uh, one more question here. I was recently going across some videos and listening to Nicholas Talib, uh, who worked with Daniel Kahneman on, on he's done a couple of different projects, especially about cognitive biases and whatnot. And, uh, you know, in this world of big data that we're getting into, where more and more data and information is piling up, he made a comment that really uh, was interesting. He said that human judgment was greater and better than, than big data. And he made a quote. He said, um, uh, he said, I'm, I'm sure that 99% of what your grandmother told you today or told you still holds true today. Um, and it was just, it's just such a different uh, approach that I've heard about big data because that's all I hear about. So um, we'd love to hear if you have any thoughts on that at all. Uh, I'm sure he didn't mean that big data is meaningless, that it doesn't exist. But, um, you know, I thought it was an interesting take on, you know, where we're heading in the future. Sure. Uh, no, I, I think that, in honest face, big big data is uh, uh, is extremely important, and really talking to the data sciences, they're extremely important. Um, there is you know, more more data now than there's ever been. We can share it, um, but again, it talked about what we we talked about earlier. Like when you're using uh, any of the tools, systems, machine learning, things like that, they they have inherent flaws, um, and the data that they're going to comb through and and enrich. Um, that are then used, to, you know, to help the you know, move, again moving from data into information and eventually knowledge, right on the on the pathway to understanding. Um, you know, the, the process for all of these systems is effectively the same, right? You 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 pull in a data streams or multiple data streams from someplace. You build a data lake or repository of all these data. There's all this all of this data, and then you apply whatever tool or technique you have in order to pull uh, whatever whatever insights you can out of that. Um, the problem is it's, it's it's a pile of information, and so you're relying on a lot of different tools that may have various strengths or weaknesses um, that are put together in such complexity. Um, that again, I mean, there's again, there's a, a, a do not have blind faith in your information sources. Um, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with having big data. There's nothing wrong with yet another tool that gives you insight. But if you're just relying on your you know your latest knickknack and doodad or this one you know public opinion research resource uh, uh, you know or one report from here or, or you know vetted um, intelligence sources or any of those things as a singular point, then you are probably setting um you're probably setting yourself up for some 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 hard lessons learned at some point um you know then again the, it, if you've been doing this a long time and you have that experience there is a level of sort of um innate instinct that does come along with it and i think a lot of times what people don't like to hear is that uh, you know you, you particularly when it comes to behavior change and dealing with humans you you are not serving yourself um in the best of your interest by removing uh, the experience and intuitive nature of humanity, um, because again, human nature is really complicated, um, and there's no there's no machine uh, that you're going to stick on this and say, here I put in all the I put in all the media sources and all these feeds from Facebook and everywhere else, and it's going to you know produce a messaging campaign that I can run, and it'll you know 100 with 100 percent certainty lead to the you know, so that's nonsense. <laughs> no, you didn't. Um, but we like. We like tools, and we like to believe that we can um, control, like that we can we can control these environments. And if we just had, you know, the, the sharp enough 
AI. Um, you know, if we had, we work out machine learning and we build a good corpus and we have quantum computing on there and we get to a point where we have real AI that we can just feed this computer something and it'll make our lives easier. And none of us have to think anymore. Like that's, that is really, really dangerous <laughs> way to approach things. Okay. Because <laughs> it's just, it's extremely expensive to build those things. Um, and they are still full of flaws because, you know, hum humans are extraordinarily complex creatures, uh, particularly when you take a take a look at them on a, like a global slice, you know, across different regions, different religions, philosophies, experiences, um, geopolitical bents. You know, <laughs> it's not it is not like sticking Watson on a skin graph and it telling you whether or not it has skin cancer or whether or not when a, an airplane part is going to wear out. Right. <laughs> you're not. You're not going to just gen up something that says this is with 100% certainty um, reliably how I, I affect my behavior change. You know, it's, you are engaged in, in it like you would be any sort of, you know, effort and you are making constant adjustments as factors change and you are moving in the direction and you are pushing for a year after year step change in a protracted manner or in some cases immediate changes if the you know the behavior change you're looking for merits that, right? Like show up to the elections. A bunch of people show up and they're there because of your messaging, great, right? Um, if you're looking for promote, you know, peaceful political process or U.S. strategic partner, those things, that's, that's a protracted effort. It takes a lot of people, a lot of effort moving in a singular direction. Um, you know, it's very difficult. So. Right. Well, um, it is obvious why you've been given the title that you've been given uh, of SAP guy. This has been very interesting. Uh, uh, so that is not a tie. Yeah, <laughs> it's here. I'm like, I do not want that on me. Like, you know, our our, our community loves to tear into themselves. You know, uh, it's it's always like every time like you guys are just you are you are looking to get me shanked when you do that. You know? <laughs> well, I shibbed. shibbed. <laughs> Um, there's a, I'm sure there's two things that our listeners would love to know just lastly is what your favorite book is and why, and then your favorite quote. Uh, oh, that's a good one. Um, oh man, favorite book. I, you know, I, I, right off the top, whenever I'm, I'm usually asked that, I like to say a message to Garcia because if you, you know, if we take anything away from this, this talk, I'd really say, read the message to Garcia. You can do it, you know, in minutes. It's a great read, and it is all about what particularly we in the in the PSYOP IO community need to be focused on, which is getting things done. Be the be the guy who is getting things executed, right? If you're showing up and you're managing the fantasy football league, and if you're not moving the needle uh, from a public policy standpoint, and, and you know, if it doesn't matter if you're a, a, a um, an office of public diplomacy person at the State Department or a PSYOP person in the DOD, like you, you get stuff done. You know, it doesn't need to be perfect. Get it done, get it executed, make corrections, have an effect. Okay? <laughs> Be the instrument of change to accomplish U.S. national objectives. That is your, that is your purpose in life. And I, if you look back on your life and said, I had a lot of, had a lot of rotations, had a lot of assignments, you know, and you, but you can't put your finger on you know, what you really did, you're, you're, you have wasted your life. <laughs> okay? Bottom line. So I hope you're a good father or something, right? Because that's not, you know, <laughs> that, that's, it's a tragedy. So I would say Mrs. Garcia is a, is a great book. Um, easy read. Give it to your kids. So Awesome. And then, um, and then, and then uh, well, I, I like it. I'm a Warhammer nerd. So anything from like Dan Abnett, um, Horace Heresy, stuff like that. So, I, you know, those, those are entertaining reads, but they're great. A lot of brotherhood um, and just gritty. So I always recommend, um, you know, if you're, uh, if you want to nerd out, grab yourself like the Horace Heresy series and, and enjoy anything by Dan Abnett. Solid. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, um, 
Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, yeah, a quote. You wanted a quote too, right? Please. Um, well, in the interest of time, I, I, I think one of my favorite quotes was, was Grant Gilmore, who was a law professor at Yale. Um, this quote is effectively a, a law reflects, uh, but is in no sense determines the, the moral worth of a society. The better society, the less law there will be in heaven. There will be no law. The lion will lay down with the lamb. The worse the society, the more law there will be. And in hell, there will be nothing but law and due process will be ridiculously observed. I always loved that one. Uh, but I'd probably say my favorite quote is from the, the, uh, the great military strategist, Mike Tyson. Everyone has a plan until they're punched in the mouth. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for coming on. This has been awesome. Uh, always good to talk with you uh, and always learn something. So I'm, I'm sure our audience uh, will enjoy this as well. So thanks again for, for your time. And I hope that you enjoy working from home and spending some time with the family. Will do. Thank you. Alrighty. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast with Ben Smith. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.